Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the new and improved Wrestle Life Radio episode 69. Nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, as you've probably noticed, we've been uh, we've been away for a little bit, and we're revamping. We're doing a little bit. We're doing things a little bit differently, and I'm going to go over with you what we're doing differently. But first, I'm Matt Sin. This is my cousin Kyle Polly. What's up? And we're we're here to tell you about the week in wrestling. So we're gonna the things that we're going to do differently is instead of doing a review show four to five times a week, because just to be honest with you guys, real life gets in the way, and we don't have time to do it anymore. So we're going to go over all four shows every single week. Excuse me. Raw, SmackDown, and AEW every single week. And then we're going to tell you what we think briefly. We're going to give you a This Day in Wrestling History. We're going to give you a Brass Ring and a Future Endeavor, one of my favorite spots. Mm-hmm. And uh, every once in a while, we're going to have guests on, and maybe we'll play some games, maybe we'll do some trivia. Should be should be kind of fun. Also want to let you guys know that Chris Cumby, our very good favorite Wrestle Life heel, is going to be taking kind of an extended sabbatical until the new year. Because he's spending some more time with his family and getting some things going on with work. So it's going to be Kyle and I tonight. We're going to tell you about all kinds of crazy, crazy stuff. But I actually have a very interesting This Day in Wrestling History today. Because six years ago today, my current favorite and one of my all-time favorite WWE wrestlers, Mr. AJ Styles... Six years ago today, blows my mind, he wrestled his last match in total nonstop action wrestling. What is nuts. What, what is that? Uh, that's, uh, that's, that's TNA, non- man. Wait, wait. T- TNA, isn't that a... Isn't it, that stands for something else, doesn't it? No, no, it doesn't. Stands for total nonstop action. Jeff oh, Jarrett okay. made that very, very clear. Oh, okay. Very, very clear. So he wrestled current NWA champion Nick Aldis, who was wrestling as Magnus at the time. Is that the one with the owl? What? He doesn't have an owl now. Oh, wait. wait. Anthem. Harry Potter joke. No, Anthem. Remember the owl thing they did for a while? Oh, yeah. The stupid. They might still be doing it. The Anthem logo is an owl. And it was like all in all their turnbuckles. And they tried to make it a part of Impact. And all the fans were like, this is stupid. And I'm pretty sure they got rid of it. I haven't watched Impact slash TNA, gosh, in a long, long time. Yeah, he AJ Styles lost a unification match to. I watch Magnus. TNA all the time, just not Impact. Oh my gosh! I guess we're no longer. We're also new and improved. We're now a PG thirteen rated show, <laughs> with our joke at the beginning and Kyle's TNA constant TNA jokes. But it's hard not to talk about. It's hard not to take, not to make TNA jokes, right? That's what she said. Oh my gosh. I'm not editing any of this out. This is great. <laughs> so AJ Styles left Impact. Uh, very similar to the Dudley Boys. He did not want to leave the company. But the Dudley Boys didn't want to leave. And Paul Heyman basically pushed them out the door because he knew that they could raise their stock and make more money in WWE. Impact just didn't want to pay AJ. And they're like, sorry, AJ, we're not going to pay you. And uh, he said, cool, I'm, I'm a bounce then. And that's exactly what he did. And as of right now, in AJ Styles' tenure in WWE, he has had a title around his waist more days than he has not. Yep. 
Yep. One one of my favorites of all time. Absolutely. He is one of the biggest stars in WWE right now. I mean, for good reason. He's great. He's phenomenal. Uh, And yeah, TNA just always, they knew he was talented, obviously, but much like a lot in that company, he was undervalued, underappreciated, and uh, they would rather pay Eric Bischoff and Hulk Hogan to come ruin their show than promote a young star like Mr. AJ Styles. And yep. um, yeah, he, he bounced. Yeah. Peace out. He sure did. He sure did. And AJ, you and I, I don't know if you remember this, but we wa- we had a Ring of Honor DVD. Might have been a VHS. I mean, it's a long time ago. And uh, it was headlined by AJ Styles versus the American Dragon, Brian Danielson. Remember oh, yeah. that? Mm-hmm. I don't even remember anything about that, but I remember thinking, man, this is great. I wish I could see these guys every week. And now we do. It was a long time ago. Yeah. But then we went to a couple Impact shows when we were you know, in Orlando for a while when my family was staying in Lakeland. And we went to some TNA shows and saw AJ and Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian. Those are good times. It's good stuff. Good stuff. Yep. So another new thing that we're going to be doing every week, guys, is we're going to be releasing shows on a schedule now. So we're going to be releasing shows on Friday morning and Tuesday morning ahead of drive time. So it's 7 a.m. So for most people, when you get in your car on Tuesday and Friday morning, there will be a new episode of WrestleLife Radio. Also, we're now on Anchor. So not only can you find us at all the spots that you were able to in the past, you will now be able to find us at anchor.fm forward slash Radio. And we appreciate your continued support. And we're going to move on. So the first show that we're going to talk about, since our shows are on Fridays, will be SmackDown. So last Friday on WWE SmackDown, Kyle. Yes. Let's uh, let's talk about what happened. So basically, uh, this is obviously SmackDown's first show post-Survivor Series, yep. uh, in which NXT won, Raw and SmackDown lost. So we started off the show, Reigns opened up the show basically, uh, he's coming down the ring and Michael Cole is just, <laughs> he has had enough. He's he says, I'm tired of hearing this garbage that Roman Reigns is losing the locker room, which is just awful. I mean, yep. the whole losing the locker room thing and this whole locker room leader, they're trying to, you know, bring in real life story into wrestling. And when it's forced like this, I just hate it. So right. I'm just not a fan. So Michael Cole and Corgrays bicker for like the whole time Reigns is walking out about him being a locker room leader and all this nonsense. It's just stupid. Uh, but then he gets in the ring and he Roman Reigns himself actually cuts pretty good promo. Uh, he wishes everybody a happy Thanksgiving. Thanks to the fans for being his family through this tough year. Cause a year ago, you know, he wasn't in the best of health. He wasn't in the best part of his life because obviously he was battling leukemia again. Right. Uh, so he basically thanked the fans. Fans are cheering him. But then he says, he kind of starts talking about, you know, how SmackDown dominated the Survivor Series match, uh, which they did win their Survivor Series match because Roman Reigns was the lone survivor. But as fans quickly pointed out, they started chanting NXT at Roman Reigns. Yep. <laughs> so they were like, nobody, you guys got beat. Mm-hmm. So Reigns kind of smiled at this and he was like, hey, we're all WWE. <laughs> and he said, but NXT didn't get the job done. And I was like, so... <laughs> <laughs> you're trying to say we're all WWE, but screw those guys. <laughs> so yep, it's like, exactly. 
So that was a little weird. Uh, basically, he called he kept calling Corbin a dummy, which was, I mean, true. Called him a dummy because he nearly screwed up their chances to win the Survivor Series match and talked about how he had to overcome it. But then he asked Corbin, the dummy, to come out and apologize to him. Corbin's stupid music hits, and he comes out. <laughs> he uh, refuses to apologize. Surprise, surprise. Uh, he goes on to claim that he's the king. He had the best food for Thanksgiving. Talked about his servants serving him, which... Yeah, I mean, oh my gosh. Is he an actual king now? I oh. guess so, yeah. So he's talking about his servants picking up his forks if he drops a fork. But Roman <laughs> Reigns, he, he probably had burnt turkey because his wife doesn't know how to cook. And he probably wouldn't know the difference if he ate it because he's used to eating dog food like these people in Alabama because they were in Birmingham. And uh, Ooh, this lots, man. Of, lots of heel heat. Um, so uh, <laughs> Corbin said he knew Roman was looking for a fight, but he wasn't going to fight him. He brought out Bobber Rude and uh, Mr. Dolph Ziggler, who looked like a like a trashy Hollywood director or something, coming out with a trucker hat and <laughs> shades on. Just looked weird. So basically, set up our opening match of the night: Roman Reigns versus Bobber Rude with uh, Corbin and Dolph at ringside. Uh, it was a pretty good match. The crowd was really into it. Um, basically, Roman controlled early. Corbin and Dolph were on the outside playing distraction, uh, kind of allowing Rude to gain the advantage of points. Uh, Roman was able to fight back through all this. Um, and then Rude basically went for Corbin's scepter toward the end of the match. It had gotten the ring and uh, Rude went to go hit it, uh, hit R- Roman with it, sorry. And uh, Roman caught him, hit him with a Superman punch, hit the spear, got the win. Uh, like I said, pretty good match. Um, there, there was also a spot I really found funny where he did, uh, Robert Rude came off the top rope and, Roman hit him with a Superman punch and he just flopped to the mat like a fish. Uh, <laughs> it was hilarious, but all in all, just a solid match. Uh, crowd was really into it, like I said. And then after the match, Ziggler attacked, went for a super kick on Roman Reigns, but Roman Reigns thwarted him, hit him with a Samoan drop. Uh, he took out Corbin, but then Bobby Roode came in, hit him with a scepter and laid him out. We got a chair, put Roman's head on the chair, was about to flog him with the scepter came down and tried to smash Roman in the head, but Roman moved and he put a dent in the chair from where he hit it. But that actually uh, was a cool spot. Yeah, it was pretty cool. But I think everybody in the world knew that Roman was going to move. So he destroys rude and Ziggler buries rude um, in more ways than one, probably, but buried him under uh, the barricade and like the chairs and all that ringside killed Ziggler. And then threw the announce table on top of rude, just burying him, like I said, in the rubble. And so Roman Reigns stood tall. Corbin retreated to the ramp. And that was the first segment of the show. Now, before you move on. Yes. I want your opinion on this. So other than suffering Sukkotash, weirdest, worst promo of Reigns' career, right? Like this, this calling Corbin a dummy. I just like, man, it's like he's 13 years old and he's supposed to be like, you know, one of the most over wrestlers, especially with kids. I just thought it was silly. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I've heard worse. It didn't bother me okay. as much, I guess. Okay. He did I, call him a dummy I like mean, a bunch. <laughs> it's like the only word he could think of, but yeah, like three I or mean, four times, but he was a dummy. So yeah, it's okay. If it, if it was somebody else, I'd probably be bothered, but I was like, you know, he's not wrong. <laughs> so <laughs> it's fine. It didn't bother me. All right, go ahead. Definitely not suffering suck, suck touch level. Yeah, that was miserable. Yeah. So. 
Basically, uh, after this match, we had the first of the night Firefly Firefly Funhouse segment. Uh, there were three on the show. This was the first one. Basically, uh, like right before they went to the actual segment, they had a flashback kind of recapping uh, what happened at Survivor Series and recapping the whole storyline uh, featuring Bray, uh, Wyatt, Daniel Bryan, featured The Miz and The Red Light, which is now getting go-away heat from Seth Rollins, of all people. Yeah. So The Red Light is the biggest heel in the company right now. Uh, Bray basically opens Firefly Funhouse. Says he's got a lot to be thankful for. He wants to show off his new toy. He debuts the new Fiend-themed championship belt, which is appropriately hideous. Oh my um, gosh, it's so terrible. Yeah. Uh, you can also buy one for yourself if you've got uh, $6,000 or something laying around. No, how much it is. No. Uh, I'm guessing they're not like producing these at a normal no, rate like they do. They're all handmade. But still, 6500 bucks. give me a break. Yeah, so if you want to go buy it... <laughs> <laughs> you fork out some cash for it. Um, but basically, Brave, he just says he had fun playing with Daniel Bryan at Survivor Series. He would love to do it again. And he says, uh, Bryan could have a new toy like this of his own. And all he had to do was let me in. So that was the first Firefly Funhouse segment of the night. We go to commercial break. And then after the commercial, we had a, um, who I thought was, uh, uh, what's the, the Muppet's name? Ah, uh, crap. I'm blanking on it. Matt, what's his name? The orange hair. The Muppet. Oh, Beaker. Beaker. Beaker was, was in the crowd. Who was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was, he like was in darkness. Or something. Do you remember that? What was that? When the Muppets were on Raw, like they they were making out like uh, Beaker was related to Seamus. Yeah, well, that's who I thought was uh, cutting this promo here. Because <laughs> last we saw Seamus, he had a mohawk and a Celtic beard. Yeah. But now Beaker is in the darkness moving towards the camera making a joke of a SmackDown's roster talking about shorty G, whatever that is just basically making a joke. And then it's revealed that it is indeed Seamus coming out from the darkness. Uh, he said he's coming back to take over the SmackDown roster because everybody sucks and Seamus is coming back. So he's making his return, which a lot of people thought he might not even wrestle again because he was injured. Yeah. So yeah, good to see him back. Uh, I don't know why he's going back to his first look. Um, but he's doing it. I love me some Seamus, so I'm okay. Whatever, whatever gets him back in the ring. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what he we if he's going to be different or what he's going to do. Um, but yeah, it's good good to see him back though. You never want to see somebody be retired against their will. So uh, after the Seamus segment, we had Mustafa Ali versus Drew Gulak, and I don't know if they I don't remember if they noted it on commentary, but supposedly. This match came about because Drew Gulak put a PowerPoint on Twitter about Mustafa Ali. Uh, so we're having this match now. Uh, it was pretty basic. I mean, it was good, but very simple. Not very long. Uh, Gulak basically took over after yanking Ali off the top rope. Uh, he locked him in a half crab in the center of the ring. Ali was able to fight back. He nailed Gulak with a super kick for a near fall at one point. And then the finish came when Ali hit a 450 splash. Picked up the win here. So good win for Ali. Uh, it's against a geek or someone who they've made out to be a geek, at least. Uh, so yeah, Gulak's very talented, right? And he was cruiserweight champion for like a year, longer than uh, Mister Pac, the bastard. And really? uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's the longest reigning champion. Um, 
Huh? Or he might have lost it and then won it right back. And that might have halted that. But he held it for a long time. A long time. Uh, as in, like, so he had the belt several months. And, um, okay. yeah, but not on the main roster. He's, nobody cares now that he's uh, actually on the main roster. And not on 205 Live anymore. But it's a good win for Ali. So it was fine. Uh, after that, we we see Sasha and Bailey in the back. They're walking to the ring uh, to address the women's division on SmackDown. And then we also see Daniel Bryan, who's pacing back and forth. And then we go to commercial. We come back. They're doing a re- uh, recap of the women's Survivor Series match. Uh, then Sasha and Bailey come to the ring. Sasha basically blames her teammates for the Survivor Series loss, saying, if I would have been able to pick my teammates, which I was not able to, we would have won. No problem. Uh, Bailey says it's not her fault that she lost to uh, Shayna. She basically starts talking and the fans chant, you tapped out to interrupt her. And they basically just run down all the women in the division. Uh, they mentioned Lacey Evans. And so of course she comes out, she walks to the ring, playing a total baby face now, waving to all the fans, uh, out of nowhere. Yeah, it was, it was, oh my gosh. So, my yeah. yeah, she gets in the ring. She said she was, uh, cooking Thanksgiving dinner for her entire family, like 36 people. Uh, she basically mocked Sasha and Bailey pointed out that Bailey tapped out and said that, uh, the women deserved a true locker room leader, one that won't tap out, making fun of Bailey, uh, which is again, you know, just I, my eyes rolled at this line. Uh, Banks got in her face and Lacey just punched her, knocked her out. And Bailey just stood there and Evans rolled out of the ring. The crowd actually got behind her a little bit and she did okay for a promo. Uh, I was actually watching this with my girlfriend, Stephanie, and she said that she, she actually liked Lacey. And I was like, she was like, her smack talk actually wasn't that bad. And I said, you know what? It would be good, but uh, it doesn't make sense because if you had watched any other show before this, she was a full fledged bad guy. And out a of nowhere, she's, <laughs> she's just a face. Yeah. yeah. Just a terrible person making fun of everybody's looks and everything. So yeah, makes sense in a vacuum, I guess, but not when you've looked at the booking, but that's WWE, I guess. I don't understand WWE. Why can't Lacey Evans continue to be a heel and still berate Bailey and, and Sasha Banks. That's okay. In fairness, she kind of did, but she was still waving at the fans and, I mean, I think they're, they're trying to turn her baby face. I mean, obviously she said she's cooking food for everybody. Like there's, they drop stuff in here that says like, she's going to be a baby face from now on. And it's weird. It's very weird. <laughs> so that's, yeah, like I said, it's WWE TV. So she's just going to be a good guy now. And who knows? She might just go back to being a heel after this is over, but we'll see. Yeah. So basically after this, Kayla is about to interview Daniel Bryan backstage to get his thoughts on what Bray had to say, but they're interrupted by the Firefly Funhouse again. Segment number two on the show for Firefly Funhouse. Uh, Huskis is sitting there uh, eating. He was full. He ate a bunch of Thanksgiving food. And he said he, his tummy's full and he's upset. The only thing that would cheer him up is if Daniel Bryan would play with them. Bray came out and said, uh, he told Huskis that what everybody thinks what happened for Thanksgiving or the story of Thanksgiving is all a lie. He said Thanksgiving is really <laughs> involving the muscle men versus the reptilians. And uh, just very strange to show a bunch of dancing. Bray Wyatt is the much uh, muscle man, uh, a bunch of reptilian men graphics pull up. 
Uh, it's very strange. And then Bray, when you don't think it could be any stranger, goes into a rapping character where he does the muscle man dance where Huskus just straight out drops some bars here. Uh, yeah. What did you think about this, Matt? <laughs> I loved this so much. I wrote in my notes. This was so stupid, but I was <laughs> laughing the entire time. Like, well, yeah, that, yeah, it was, it was, it wasn't genius like of the earlier Firefly Funhouses were, but it was so entertaining that I really loved it. I, I a lot of people didn't, and that's okay. I loved every second of it. It, it was, was so straight, stupid, but I loved it. It was straight out of like something you would see. Uh, the the show that used to come on Adult Swim, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Yep, uh, I love that show. Oh, rice. Yes. All right. Too uh, good. There would always be like a TV in the background and like stupid stuff would come on the TV. That was just completely ridiculous, but it was hilarious all the same. <laughs> and that's what this was. I could totally see this being on the TV in an episode of Aqua Teen Hunger Force. It was just very entertaining, very stupid, but hilarious. Brian was sitting here watching this the entire time on the TV. It cut, kept cutting back and forth. I don't know how he wasn't busting a gut here. He was, he was the only person not amused by this, I think. Uh, he was just staring angrily at the TV. And after it was over, all Kayla could say was, well. <laughs> and she put the micro- microphone in front of Brian. He just sat in silence. And that's pretty much all you could do here. So it was great. Go watch it because it's just ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, I loved it. Um, after that, we had... Nikki Cross versus Sonya Deville. Skip. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I will say nothing really happened here. It was a short match. Nikki got the roll up. Uh, Mandy made fun of Nikki's looks, of course. They went to go beat her up after the match. And Alexa Bliss came back and saved Nikki. So Alexa is back. Uh, Graves called them Bliss Cross Applesauce. Uh, and then I saw on YouTube, they did a promo, the both of them after this. And I was hoping that maybe this was just something Corey Graves had dropped. Uh, and it was just something stupid he said, like normal. But no, they also used the name. So I have a feeling this might be their new tag team name. Oh, I really no. hope it's not because it's ridiculous. But mm. we, we'll see. I uh, told my wife after, you know, at the toward the end of this match, I said the only thing that will make this good is if they're using this to help Bliss return. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, and it's all it was for. So Bliss is back is what you all you need to know. So uh, backstage we had Daniel Bryan again, but uh, he's he's brought you know Miz basically comes to his aid again and gives him some advice. Talks about how dangerous the Fiend is, how he changed Seth Rollins and Finn Balor, and uh, warns Bryan that this could have you know change him. It could put his family in danger. To which Bryan gives him an evil glare, and Miz backs off. I don't think his words of wisdom helped. Um, and yeah, just gave him some advice. Bryan didn't really care. <laughs> I actually liked this segment. I did too. Uh, but, and I, actually I liked most of the Brian segments throughout the night. Cause it was a story they played through the entire show. Uh, so I've, I enjoyed it throughout the night. Um, yeah, same. Yeah. So after that, Elias returns. Uh, Cause Dana, yeah. Dana Brooks backstage. Um, she's on TV because she's got a date with Batista. <laughs> That's the only reason. Yep. So she's, she's back there. Drake Maverick comes up with some mistletoe and tries to get a kiss from her. She says, aren't you married? He says, it's complicated. (laughs) So then Elias comes from the shadow, says he's been on a journey. He's in uh, 
Drake says, what does that even mean? He's like, it means I wrote a song. He plays the song and Dana Brooke proceeds to act like no human being would ever act for anybody <laughs> playing a guitar. She's swaying, snapping her fingers, dancing to it. Guitar. Like it's like she's in the club listening to this song. And uh, Elias drops a line about Drake Maverick's wife. And I'm like, didn't you write this song on your journey? And this happened like two <laughs> seconds ago with the mistletoe, but whatever. So Elias is back. I think he's a baby face, but we'll see. Yeah, who knows? Uh, then we had the New Day, who are issuing an open challenge for the tag team titles. Um, right before this, though, Corey Graves plugs a stupid podcast, probably so he could bully some people with mental, who have mental illness again. So nobody cares. <laughs> so Biggie and Kofi come out, issue their open challenge. Cesaro, Nakamura with Sami Zayn, answers the call. And Cesaro's out here looking like an evil Orange Cassidy. <laughs> we basically yes, he have, did. Oh my gosh, he did. I didn't totally realize does. that. So basically we had this match. It was a good match. Uh, the heels start by isolating Kofi. Uh, basically until the commercial break and then we come back. Biggie t- gets the hot tag. Uh, Nakamura and Cesaro try to double team him, but he kind of fights through it. You know, attack both of them. New Day do the super cool... Biggie got, uh, I think it was Cesaro, or no, it was Shinsuke, in a powerbomb position. Uh, Kofi got at the top rope and did a foot stop off the top rope as Biggie powerbombed him. Uh, it was only a near fall, but it was really cool looking. And then right after, we had another cool spot where Cesaro was knocked to the outside. Uh, Biggie launched Kofi over the top rope to the floor, but Cesaro hit him with an uppercut as he landed. That was so awesome. that was pretty cool. And then he uppercutted Biggie. Nakamura went for the Kinshasa on Kofi. Uh, he botched it or something. It looked like he whiffed. Uh, he just kind of rolled Kofi over. Like nobody really knew what was going on because it just looked kind of confusing. Uh, Biggie broke up the pin of the Phantom uh, Kinshasa on him. Then Kofi got up, went for the Trouble in Paradise on Cesaro. Cesaro blocked it and dropped Kofi on the ropes. And then Sammy got in the ring, tried to interfere by hitting Kofi with a plate of pancakes. But the referee caught him, sent Sane to the back. Then Kofi was able to hit the Trouble in Paradise on Cesaro for the win, and they retained their tag team titles. So good, it was a good match. Um, but Biggie and Kofi win here. Uh, after that, we go to commercial break, and then we come back. And for the main event segment, main event segment of the night, Daniel Bryan makes his way to the ring to address the Fiend, and uh, he got a really good promo here, as he always does. Daniel Bryan's great, uh, great on the mic. Bryan said he knew the Fiend changes people. But it wasn't the fiend that changed him. It was the people that changed him. He said the people brought back the yes movement. Uh, he's, he said he he didn't bring it back as the people. Uh, he asked the fans if she, he should accept Bray's challenge. The fans chant yes in support. Brian joins them. He the, re, the yes movement's back. Brian has rejoined the yes movement. He's going crazy. And here is when the Firefly, Firefly Funhouse segment interrupts for the third time tonight. Bray accepts Brian's challenge, remembered they promised a new face for the night. The, uh, <laughs> the, he, the fiendish red light is turned on that nobody likes. The fiend emerges from under the ring, attacks Daniel Bryan with a mandible claw. He drags Brian to hell, a.k.a. a hole in the ring. Yep. Uh, Bray that appears to pull clumps of Brian's hair out like when he's under the ring, uh, that ends the show. They, they kind of had the theme of the night of like 
change, you know, is Brian changing or is the fiend changing him, you know, and all that. And I actually think something is going to change. I think Brian's going to get a new look next week. Either he's going to shave the beard. He's going to shave his head. Uh, I mean, they've got to do something like that, right? I think it's the beard. It's definitely the beard. I mean, you didn't see what he's pulling out, so it could be anything. Maybe it's maybe it's his back hair. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> so Daniel Bryan, you might have a new new uh, look next week. So we'll see. Mm. But uh, that I, was SmackDown. I do want to point out that my dad is a minister, so I've been to church many, many, many times in my entire life, and I'm pretty sure in Hezekiah fourteen twelve it says that hell is underneath a wrestling ring. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> It's true. And for those of you that don't know, Hezekiah is not an actual book of the Bible. That's why I chose it. So SmackDown. Yeah, if you're going to grade SmackDown and uh, recap it in 15 seconds or less, what would you give uh, it? I mean, it was okay. Had some decent matches on the show. Like the tag match is pretty good. Uh, the opening match with Reigns and uh, Bob Roo is pretty good. Um, other than that, though, there wasn't really a whole lot. I enjoyed the Daniel Bryan fiend story throughout the show, but the just, I guess the meat in the middle was just like not really much to go off of. I'll give it a C plus. Okay. Better than raw. Cause let me tell you about Monday night raw. Oh, oh my gosh. It was one of the worst raws I have ever seen. Hailing from Nashville, Tennessee. Entire life. We almost went to that show. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you didn't. I'm glad yeah, you didn't. Yeah, me too. So the show opened up with Charlie going up to the Office of Pain and basically says, hey, what happened about you guys attacking Kevin Owens? And they're like replying in their language. And she says, I don't know what you're saying. And in English, they're like, you look lovely. And they walk inside the arena. I'm like, what? <laughs> what, are, what, are we, what are we doing? What is happening with this? But something good. And Samoa Joe is on commentary tonight. And I want wrestler Samoa Joe, okay, but commentary Samoa Joe, also good. He's it's like guys, CM Punk. Like that's where, exactly what I was about to say. When Punk had his, con- what was it, concussion? Yeah. Or whatever it was, where he, he took some time on the commentary booth. Or he pooped his pants, something like that. Yes, that really <laughs> happened. I'm not making a poop joke. <laughs> yes. So, uh, yeah, if it's like that, I like I agree. I'm all for it. Um, but also to note, uh, Dio Madden is off of the Raw announced team. He was killed by Brock Lesnar a couple weeks ago, and now he is uh, supposedly off the team and is going to pursue being a wrestler in NXT again. So Yeah, but it's good for him. And I heard that uh, Vince and, uh, gosh, what's his name? Hunter? The dorky guy that does all the video. Uh, oh, Kevin Dunn. Yeah, Kevin Dunn. I heard that they both hated him. And I really liked it, but I can understand why, because he made tons of like, you know, completely nerdy jokes that a lot of wrestling fans probably would have no idea about. Like he was making like convention jokes and anime jokes. And I'm like, I don't know. Like I loved it. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't think that this is going to get over very well. I think it's because he's not the puppet that they usually like. That is fair. Because usually what happens is someone will join the commentary team. They usually start out pretty good. And then they quickly go downhill because they've got an old man and a buck tooth old man yelling at them in the headset to tell them what to do. <laughs> it makes them worse at their job. And then they turn into Corey Graves and Michael Cole. And uh, then they get it. sick of it. And this guy, he, you know what? When he started, he wasn't great, but he, he got slowly better and more confident. And then, uh, 
yeah, they, I guess he wasn't the puppet they wanted, so he's out of there. Yeah. Big bummer. But Samoa Joe's replacing him temporarily. As long as it's not permanent, it's fine. It's going to be really weird when he comes back and wants to murder everyone, because right now he's happy-go-lucky Samoa Joe. <laughs> so we'll we'll see how it goes. He is uh, appropriately trashing people, so. Yeah, he is. Seth Rollins comes to the ring. He has a very mixed reaction. Cuts a promo and says, look, uh, maybe I was a little too rough last week when I said everyone sucked. And I thought, that's not what you said, Seth. You said all of you suck, but that's fine. He's like, I'm sorry I'm speaking from my heart. I just love this place so much. I want to apologize to everyone. I want to apologize to the fans. I want to apologize to the locker room. I also want to apologize to Kevin specifically. So, Kevin, if you'll come out here, let me apologize apologize to you man to man. Kevin comes out, and then he says to Seth Rollins, I know you're lying, and do you want to know how you how I know you're lying? And I thought, it's because his lips are moving. And Kevin Owens says, it's because your lips are moving. And I thought, yeah. And then so they, they continued, and Seth is like, no, man, I'm, I'm serious. I really, I really want to apologize. And Kevin's like, I don't think so. You're a jerk. And then AOP comes out, and Seth challenges them first for Seth and Kevin versus AOP. And Kevin says, whoa, 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 look, I can think of like three ways that this is going to, you know, end up. And the reality is all three ways end up with me getting my butt kicked. So you know what? If we're going to do it, let's just do it now. And it's just like, I don't think so, man. If you think that I'm just going to turn my back on you, I'm not going to do this. You're on your own. He leaves. He walks up to AOP, who parts the water as if Seth Rollins is Moses and allows him to walk right in between them. And then Kev's like, all right, guys, come on. I want both of you, preferably one at a time, but you know, which was very funny and very true when it's two giant men in this wrestling. It means Kevin Owens isn't some, you know, idiotic baby face. And uh, they leave. All the pain's like, nah, son. They turn around and walk away. Yeah, Kevin Owens was telling Seth Rollins, I'm no Sting. I'm not going to fall for this. <laughs> exactly. It's Sting, my favorite all-time child wrestler from my childhood. Uh, but yeah, he Sting is like one of my favorites as well. Yeah. yeah, known to uh, fall for mainly Everything. Ric Flair's dirty tricks. They would tag team, <laughs> and Ric Flair would always turn on him. Yep. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Yep. I, I mean, I I don't know if they're trying to make Seth like obviously last week he played heel. Yep. Uh, then he came out on the dark match like right after, and uh, was apparently playing babyface again. Dark matches don't count. <sighs> yeah, don't but count. these are the same fans that are booing him, so it's kind of weird, but. Obviously, you're right. It doesn't count on TV, but this kind of seemed like they were still trying to. They weren't sure. Like he wasn't. They tried to make him more sympathetic. Yeah, and like he he was a heel and a jerk last week, but he was like, "Well, let me explain why." Like he wasn't, you know. So I don't know if they're trying to just salvage him being a babyface. Nah, this is a slow burn. They're actually doing something right. We'll see. I, I hope so because <laughs> I mean it's more interesting, you know, that way. But yeah. We'll see. We'll see. So Kevin's like, you know what? If they're going to walk away, I'm dressed. I'm ready for a fight. The first person that comes out here, I will destroy. And then you hear, or no, you see Bobby Lashley and Lana walking backstage and we go to commercial. We come back from commercial and Kevin Owens is like chilling in the ring because that's what you do, right? For like three and a half minutes, you're like, all right, I guess I'm ready for a fight. I'm just going to wait. And he just, I have no idea what happened during the commercial. Hopefully he cut a promo and they didn't just show random, you know, WWE shop commercials. Right. So then Lana's music hits. Kevin's like, what are you doing out here? And so she cuts just this. Oh my gosh. She cuts this promo 
regarding Bobby Lashley and how great he is and how much she hates Rusev and who he is will not be here tonight because she got another restraining order. And so Kevin Owens is like, oh my gosh, nobody cares. Look, you're beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, you're repulsive. All this trash comes out of your mouth. You're garbage. And she kept trying to talk. She called him fat. He kept talking over her because she's super annoying. He basically said everything that we, we've we been saying. Like he right. buried her. It was, it was incredible. I loved it. Yeah. Also, uh, Lana and Rusev live here in Nashville. So uh, I find it hard to believe that she actually did get him a restraining order. It'd be kind yeah. of hard. Uh, they, Yeah. So it's, it is what it is. It's just, you know, they're still doing it. <laughs> So we have Lashley versus Owens, and as soon as the match, Lashley comes out, of course, Lashley fights Owens, and as soon as the match starts, I thought, this is definitely not going to be a clean finish. Well, of course it's not, and nothing happened but craziness. This match was so ridiculous, because at the end of the match, I'm not going to go with him, the match was fine, whatever. We've seen Kevin Owens versus Bobby Lashley before. We saw it on Starcade, if you watched Starcade the night before, and so AOP comes out and attacks uh, Kevin Owens. And drags him up the ramp to the to the backstage area. And we go to commercial. Never to be seen again. By I the way. know. And I looked at my wife and I said, okay, that's a little weird, but at least we're gonna get a follow-up, right? That's what nope. I said. We did not. We got nothing. We got absolutely nothing. Actually, we did. We got a follow-up on Twitter uh, where Kevin Owens posted that he is indeed alive. <laughs> He's like, guys, I escaped. Like, that's what he posted on Twitter. Yeah. And I'm like, that's so perfect. It's so good. And so I feel like that's him kind of doing a dig at the writing, too. Like, well, they, sure, yeah. taking him backstage to murder him. So we come back from commercial, and Bobby Lashley and Lana are in the ring. And they're cutting a promo. Nobody cares. All that matters is you hear... Screaming. I do want to point out that Lana brought out two deputy sheriffs with them. And so Rusev comes out in the ring, and the deputies are sitting right on the outside. Rusev gets in the ring, huge pop. Now, I will tell you, I still hate this storyline, but Rusev did a wonderful job here. He looked like he was having so much fun. I don't know why, but he's really enjoying himself, and he beat the crap out of Bobby Lashley. He played to the crowd, did a great job. And then the deputies were like moseying, mosey's a good word, moseying into the ring super slowly. And Lana is freaking out. And she, I mean, awful acting, terrible. She was like spitting around like a child. It was really weird. And then she was screaming, what are you doing? Get in here and do your job. And as soon as they're starting to get in the ring, Rusev leaves to the crowd. And so they go back out of the ring and stand there like two doofuses. And I thought, these are the two worst police officers I have ever seen in my entire life. So, Bobby Lashley, fair enough. Well, we go to another commercial, actually. We come back from the commercial. Bobby and Lana's out there screaming at him. It's like, we hired you to do a job. and you The one thing we needed you couldn't do. You just stood there. And so, as Bobby's leaving, he bumps into one of the deputies. And uh, purposely, right? Like a chest bump. Right. And so, they arrest him. Now, the guy... That, act, that had the restraining order, did not get arrested. Now, before Bobby got arrested and before he bumped the, the deputy sheriff, the deputy says, I'm actually a WWE fan, and we do things differently here in Tennessee. A.K.A. we don't follow the law. 
Exactly. Now, Kyle, you're fr- you live in Tennessee. You've been there for a few years. Yes. Can you confirm that cops just ignore the law and do whatever they want? Now, I've never had a restraining order in the state of Tennessee. Okay. Uh, That's good. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this is ridiculous. Um, yeah. And, and it yeah, gets just, worse. <laughs> it does get it worse. It gets worse. Yeah. So after Bobby Lashley gets handcuffed, Lana's like, how dare you arrest Lashley? You should be arresting Rusev and slaps the cop. And so she like looks like she's fearful and she's like, whoops, what did I just do? And so they arrest her too. And yeah. they're screaming the whole time. They're like, ah, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna sue. This is ridiculous. I'm thinking, well, you don't have a leg to stand on. The two of you just assaulted two police officers. Well, so here's the thing. It's it's kind of backwards because Lana and Rusev were kind of the baby faces in the situation. Okay. And let me tell you why. So we have a man in Rusev. Okay. Who has broken the law. Broken the law breaker. Yes. Yeah. Broken the law. These off, these idiots, these idiot officers who are standing on the outside, (laughs) just let him run in the ring, defy the law. I mean, are doing, not doing their jobs. Let him beat him up. They just let him leave. And then the security in the building don't stop him as well. They just let him do it. After this woman has come out and said, we have a restraining order against this man. He's dangerous. He's crazy. So he does that. He gets away. He broke the law. He's, you know, a bad person. Lashley and Lana should be furious. They should be absolutely livid because they're like, we hired you for one job (laughs) to make sure this crazy man didn't come try and attempt to kill us because he attempted murder last week when he tried to kill Bobby Lashley and got arrested for it as he should. And he was the baby face in that situation. Here, he comes in, breaks the law. These guys do nothing. And then they're asking him, all these officers, why? Why Why did you not do anything? And they're just like, we watch WWE. And in Tennessee, we do things here a little different. Well, to get a restraining order, you have to go to a judge. And the judge has to rule, yes, this man is crazy. Do not let him near this woman, nor this man. And these officers just defied what this judge said because they the just judge would have been in the state of Tennessee. Yeah, so they just took it upon themselves. So uh, hopefully, two, these two men are fired today, and I don't <laughs> see them in Nashville. Uh, Bobby did bump into him barely. He didn't like knock him down or shove him yeah. or anything. He but just he bumped into him. Yeah, and they immediately arrest him, the man who got assaulted by a crazy man. And uh, now I can't say much for Lana because no matter if you're in the right or wrong, you shouldn't slap an officer. That's but correct. I mean, her motivation for slapping him is very just. <laughs> like, it's not unwarranted. Yeah. It was stupid, but understandable. So, yeah. in a sense, Lana and Bobby Lashley were the faces in this role because they did nothing wrong, per se. They just got screwed over by these inept police officers who did not stop this man who was breaking the law. So, this whole segment and what you just said about it reminds me of a Metallica song. Sad but true. We're going to move on, and then we see the cops taking them to the back. They, but we went to another commercial, put them in the cop car, drive them off as Lana screams that she's going to sue. And then the camera pans to the street prophets in R Truth, who's like staring, staring at them. R Truth was 24 7 title that the street prophets obviously don't want. And I'm like, what? Why? What is? But we're not going to touch that because holy smokes. 
Um, Drew McIntyre versus Akira Tozawa. I like Akira Tozawa a lot. He's about five foot one. Uh, I like Drew McIntyre a lot. He's about eight foot nine. And neither of those heights are correct, but they would seem to be when the two of these men stood there because the top of Akira's head was like to Drew McIntyre's nipples. I mean, it was ridiculous. He is so much higher. This is a great match. Um, so much taller, excuse me. This is this was a really great match. Drew McIntyre, I mean, for what it was, Drew McIntyre got on his knees one time. They did a lot of, you know, big man, little man stuff. He was mocking him. He said, I'll give you a chance to leave. Akira pretended to leave. He came back and drop kicked him right in the chest. The, the match was fine, but I have an issue with it because it was a squash match, which was fine. This is the kind of squash match you should have, but we're going to get into that because, holy smokes, Drew McIntyre hit a Claymore kick out of nowhere, RKO out of nowhere for the win. There you go. Yeah, it was a cool Claymore kick. It was a cool Claymore kick. Yeah. Akira Tozawa is a very talented wrestler, so was Drew McIntyre. Yeah. So Drew cuts a promo, and he's like, I'm really mad at you, Randy Orton. Why don't you come here so we can talk about it? We come back from the ring, or we come back from commercial. Drew's chilling. He's just waiting. He's like, come on, Randy. I'm, uh, I, I, I got things to do. Can we just, can we go ahead and talk? So they show like the, the, or excuse me, Drew even says, I'm going to show you why I'm mad at you. And they show like the chop battle they had last week. And then Randy Orton just poking him in the eye. And I thought, well, that's a really stupid reason to get mad at someone. This kind of stuff happens all the time. So Randy Orton comes out, and they're yelling at each other, and then the OC come out for, like, no reason. And AJ Styles, who actually does have a reason, I guess, so it's not for no reason, to feud with Randy Orton, starts yelling at him for what Randy Orton did last week and made AJ lose his U.S. title. And Drew McIntyre's like, you know what? This seems like an OC Randy Orton problem. I'm just going to bounce. And he did! So I'm sitting here going... What was the point of you calling him out in the first place? It's so weird. The OC yeah. did a great job here. Uh, Carl Anderson called AJ Uncle Allen at one time. It made me very happy. <laughs> very good stuff. Um, but yeah, so they they all get in the ring, all three of the OC. They're beating up on Randy Orton. And uh, I do want to note that Kevin Owens, babyface, right? Got no yes. help earlier as he was getting destroyed by the Authors of Pain. But Randy Orton, big, dastardly, monster heel Randy Orton got help from not one, not two, but three baby faces. As Ricochet comes out and gets destroyed, Humberto Carrillo comes out and gets destroyed, and then Rey Mysterio comes out, and the numbers are even now, so the faces can actually get some offense in. I, I will say, uh, I, I watched this on uh, YouTube later. Okay. And uh, I saw that the title of the video was, because I, I had not read it or seen about this when I, I watched the video initially. Um, so I, I wasn't aware of what actually happened. But the title of the video was basically that Randy Orton was getting attacked and Rey Mysterio and others come to the aid of Randy Orton. <laughs> and I, kinda was, I was kind of confused. I was like, huh? And then I was watching the segment unfold and I was like, okay, Randy Orton's going to get jumped. Rey Mysterio's going to come help him, maybe Dominic or something. And then Ricochet comes out first, and I was like, huh. And then Umberto <laughs> comes out, and I was like, okay. And then Ray comes out. <laughs> I was like, okay. So others are Umberto and Ricochet. That's who correct. Also, uh, need I remind you that uh, Randy Orton threatened to RKO Ricochet anytime he wanted. Correct. But uh, Ricochet is cool to come help him out, I guess. Yep. Yep. Whatever. So, yeah. It was really dumb. Really dumb segment. 
Uh, Tony Nese versus Aleister Black was next. I love Tony Nese. He's great. Obviously love Aleister Black. So glad he's in the ring. Again, though, it's another clearly enhancement match. Clearly. Oh, yeah. Aleister Black gets the win. They announced that the OC is going to wrestle Rey Mysterio, Humberto Carrillo, and Ricochet later. And then, uh, as I do want to point out that when Aleister was getting in the... When Aleister was wrestling, they showed Buddy Murphy backstage. And after the match, he's like, Hey, Buddy. Charlie says, Buddy, do you regret knocking on Aleister Black's door? And he's like, No. Why would I do that? Because he's not an idiot. And he says, I knocked on his door to expose him for what he is. He takes himself too seriously. So I think that he should, you know, just kind of cool down. Just kind of chill, right? And like, you guys think I'm exaggerating. I am not exaggerating. He just needs to calm down. He's kind of a hothead. We just uh, we want him to want him to calm down, and maybe I'll be the one to calm him down. And I'm like, oh my gosh! Like I'm so excited for this match. It is going to be incredible if they give both these guys time. But uh, I, like this promo just made me want to cry. Hmm. Move forward to Andrade versus Eric Young. Are you guys seeing like maybe maybe some things happening over and over? Maybe a uh, deja vu. Because we have the third enhancement match in a row. I will say, though, Eric Young did get a lot of offense in this match and he looked did. awesome. This is probably the happiest he's been in probably a couple years because he hasn't done anything. This is nothing against these guys. I love Tony Nese. I love Akira Tozawa. I love Eric Young. And I, I love these kind of matches because that those lower mid-card, mid-card guys, you know, having a good match with mid-carders to upper mid-carders and making them look, look better. But three in a row? That's too much, and wait till we get to the next segment, guys, because I'm about to lose my mind. So Andrade and Eric Young had a great match. It was it was really, really good for what it was. Andrade wins, of course, without help from Zelina, because he doesn't need help to defeat a lower mid-carder. Uh, and then after the match, as he's standing tall, R-Truth comes out and runs by, and he hides behind the barricade as all the goobers run past him. And he just happens to be sitting in front of Kyle Busch and uh, Michael Waltrip who are two NASCAR guys, by the way. And uh, he's like, oh, thank you. Thank you very much for helping me hide. And Michael Waltrip starts, like, unbuttoning, unbuttoning his jacket as slowly as possible. It was very erotic in the way that he was doing it. I mean, and so he takes it off, and he sees, or Archer sees that he is wearing a referee shirt. And so uh, he gets rolled up by Kyle Busch, and Kyle Busch is your new 24-7 champion. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Next segment. We come back from the break. And uh, we're having a Cyber Mo- Monday segment with the Street Profits, and No Way Jose comes by. And I thought, I hope that's all we see of No Way Jose tonight. That is not what that is not what happened. No, it's not. So we we get replays. Who cares? Charlie Caruso stops Seth Rollins backstage. And <laughs> no way, says, Jose. That's not the last squash match of the night. <laughs> And she says, Rollins, you said that everyone is like family. Why wouldn't you help Kevin Owens? And he said, uh, he actually refused my help, so I tried. And uh, he says, what do you want from me, Charlie? Do you want answers? You know, I, I, I can't win if I do. I can't win if I don't. No matter what, for me, it's a no-win situation. No one ha- Not everyone has the guts to be a leader, but everyone can be a critic. And he walks off. And I do think this is a slow burn. And I could be wrong. WWE could swerve us. But uh, I think they're actually doing something right for once. And I, I'm kind of digging it. Yeah. Eric Rowan talking to his mystery cage. Oh, look. It's so cute. It's pretty. We go to commercial. We come back. 
no way. Jose, no way. Jose, he comes to the ring. <laughs> and I thought, Eric Rowan's about to kill him. That's exactly what happened. Eric Rowan comes out. He's got his cage, and one of the conga line guys is like, I'm going to look at it. As two other conga line guys are like, nope, don't do that. You should not look in that cage. And he's like, I'm going to do it. And they're like, nope, we think it's a really bad idea. He will murder us all. And he's like, I'm going to do it anyway. So he starts looking in it, and Eric Rowan comes I want to see it. Mur- <laughs> but but, but I want to see it. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. He murders all three of them, gets back in the ring, murders No Way Jose. And this is your fourth enhancement match in a row. So, Can I just say the, the the basket thing is just dumb? It's the dumbest thing we've had in a like, long what time. Is, what is going to, I mean, obviously it's going to be revealed what it is at some point. Hornswoggle. Sure. Either way, the payoff is just like. It's going to be something stupid. It's going to be like a potato. And it's like, oh, Eric Rowan's crazy because he's. Been uh, you know what? I hope it's a potato. <laughs> it's probably some grapes or like a couple of bottles of wine or something because he is a vendor. Yeah. So. <laughs> The Kabuki Warriors are backstage warming up. It's announced that they are wrestling Charlotte Flair in a handicap match, which makes no sense because Asuka beat Charlotte by herself last week. Yeah, and Kyrie played like no role in her losing that match, really. Yeah. She just like, was an idiot right after her. But yeah, it was yeah, it was dumb. Well, no, Charlotte was like going after her for no reason. Like Kyrie didn't really do much. She was just there. So Charlotte's like, oh, I'm gonna kill you. And uh <laughs> yeah, then Kyrie just ran away. So she was like, okay. Well, now I'm going to fight both of you. And it's like, you lost to one of them last week. Yep. <laughs> so and, now you're going to fight whatever. Yeah. And so Sarah Schreiber's in the backstage in the backstage area and says, hey, Rowan, what's in the cage? And he kind of looks at her and uh, she's like, what's in the cage? And he's like talking to the cage like it's his baby. And Maybe goes, see other Rowan. <laughs> Derek, Derek, Rowan. Derek Rowan. Derek Rowan. Derek Rowan. And so she's like, Rowan, I really want to know. And he like stares at her menacingly and walks off. Two-on-one handicap match, Asuka and Kyrie Sane versus Charlotte Flair. I was really upset when they announced this match. I literally said out loud, what? And my wife yeah. can confirm that. Um, but I'm not going to lie to you. Good match. It was really fun. Yeah, I mean, it, it, three very talented workers, so it's hard. Uh-huh. it'd be hard for them to not have a good match. But yeah, this, the setup and you know the result like doesn't make much sense. But yeah, well, basically- it, was, it was a good match for what it was. Anything in a handicap match that needed to happen, happened. It was really good. And Charlotte looked strong. I don't know why she lasted like 15 minutes. It was a really long match against the tag team champions. But whatever. The match was fine. Uh, even better than fine. I'd say it's really good. Kabuki Warriors got the win. Yeah, uh, good finish. I backstage. And I said, oh, no. We're going to get another one. And your ta- your raw tag team champions. If you want to know what WWE thinks of tag team wrestling, or what kind of division they have, the Viking Raiders are wrestling Mark Sterling and Mitchell Lyons. Anyone know who that is? No. Okay. Right before that, by the way, Sarah Schreiber asked Charlotte. She's like, "Do you regret challenging the Kabuki Warriors?" And Charlotte says. No, and walks away because Charlotte's not an idiot like all of these backstage interviewers are. Viking Raiders win in like two minutes. Move on. <laughs> yep. We have we have the six man tag now, which is good. Mm-hmm. And this match was really fun. It was probably the highlight, one of the few highlights of the night. I mean, my gosh, this oh man, this show. OC won at the end when uh, AJ put Ricochet with a Styles Clash off the top rope. It was great. 
And then after the match, Randy Orton comes and RKO's his face straight into the mat. It was great. Straight he, to hell. Yep. Yep. Well, almost. Not quite. You got to go under the mat to get there. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that's yeah, right. Sorry, sorry. It says in Hezekiah 14, 12. Don't forget. His face was in limbo. <laughs> Randy Orton is up on the corner. He's posing. Raw goes off the air. Now I'm going to grade this for you. And let me, let me, let me tell you about the matches, okay? We had Lashley versus Owens that went to a non-finish. We had enhancement match with Drew McIntyre over Kiyotazawa. Enhancement match with Tony with Alistair Black over Tony Nice. Enhancement match with Andrade over Eric Young. Enhancement match with Eric Rowan over No Way Jose. Enhancement match with the, your Raw Tag Team Champions, which apparently need enhancement, by the way, with Viking Raiders versus nobody. Nobodies. What in the world? Give me actual wrestling. F. I hated this Raw. I hated it. It was stupid. I, the enhancement matches were fine. I just don't want them all on the same show, except for the Viking Raiders ones. Never again. I mean, my gosh, we've been talking about this for months. It's so freaking stupid. They are Raw Tag Team Champions. Feed them someone. I don't care. Feed them someone on the roster. The other matches were fine. There was just too many of them. Nothing happened on this Raw except Kevin Owens got dragged away and then escaped, apparently, thanks to his Twitter. Just, oh my gosh. Yeah, this was uh, this is like the opposite of SmackDown to where they had they actually had a story that went throughout the show and got you know got paid off in the main event and left I you know. with something for next week. Yeah. So uh, yeah, as I'm saying, Raw didn't do that. So it was just like, like I said, Kevin Owens got drug out at the beginning of the show. It's like the Seth angle was kind of like the big angle coming off last week. They took care of it at the very beginning of the show and then didn't address it again. He just left. Uh, yeah, he just he left like in the first hour. Yeah. So he's like, up, oh, I'm done for the night. <laughs> now booked in a match. I guess I'm out of here. So some locker room leader, apparently. Um, maybe he had to get to that WWE backstage show that he was going to go do. Right. Uh, yeah, he, he split. So, yeah, I I don't think I hated the show as much as you did because, yes, there were a ton of squash ma- squash matches, but they weren't all Viking Raiders bad, even though that one was bad. Like yeah, Eric no, Young and Andrade. Good. They were good. It's just Eric Young and Andrade was a good one. Yeah. I, I mean, because Eric Young, like I said, he got to, you know, get a lot in. It's how a, a squash match should be on Monday Night Raw. It should be a wrestling match. That's correct. Where the heel just wins in the end, but the babyface has chances because he's good and the fans can get behind him. It's it's how they should do it, all of them. I totally agree. They did way too many on the show. Uh I don't think anybody ever thought no way Jose had a chance against Rowan. Obviously, Viking Rangers are going to kill these two geeks. Yep. Alistair Black was not going to lose to Tony Nice. Correct. And yeah, it was too many of them. Um, Kyrie Sane and Oscar versus Charlotte was good, but unnecessary um, and weird. And the main event was bad good. Book. Right, right. Man, they're also bad booking. Well, what the heck? Why do these guys want to help Randy Orton? Really stupid. Yeah, very true. Um, Except for maybe Ray because he got a title out of it. Yeah, and, and the Rusev angle was pretty stupid. Oh god. I didn't hate the show as bad. I give it a D. Uh it's not it wasn't good. But I didn't like I wasn't a seething mad, I guess, at, at the end of it. So yeah, that's that's how I feel about it. It was very stupid at points, but so basically you're like it wasn't hell in a cell bad, so I can't give it an F. Yes. I, I don't wanna I wanna save an F for something I really detest and like I don't know if I've given it a yet an F to anything yet. I may have. I think this is my second F, if I remember right. Okay, let's move <laughs> on to good wrestling. AEW Dynamite. Talk, talk to us about AEWs. So you might be surprised. Okay. 
I was not really a fan of the show. Really? Yeah. So, and, and most of it might be a little bit nitpicky, but I felt like it had a lot of the problems that they've been having and they shouldn't still be having. Um, Let me plug so, real quick. Uh, this Tuesday, we're going to have a roundtable with me, Kyle, and probably my little brother, Micah. And we're, the topic is going to be what's wrong with AEW. And I have on my notes, that's, that's the first thing that I have pulled up is issues they've continued to have, like their audio and their presentation. Yeah, so we'll get more into it um, you know, on the, the roundtable. But essentially, that's a lot of what I had troubles with on the show because they're still kind of glaring here to me. Um, but we'll go through it and see. Uh, basically, they opened up the show kind of with a rundown of what was going to happen. Obviously, they set up the uh, trios tag match at, uh, on last week's show. But even that was very thrown together and kind of random. But um, we opened the show with it. It was Dustin Rhodes and the Young Bucks against uh, Santana Ortiz and Sammy Guevara. Obviously, proud and powerful. Um, you know, part of the inner circle was Sammy Guevara. So it was cool. Dustin came out in like his his gear and his face paint, but also with Young Bucks like tassels and everything. That, that was pretty cool. Uh, this was typical, you know, Young Bucks tag match. Really good match. Really fun opener. Um, but it was going very well. Very entertaining, had some goofy spots in it, but it didn't bother me as much like Dustin running wild and having to take a rest in between. Like that kind of stuff was fine. And obviously it's Young Bucks, so you're always going to have like some good, fun stuff here. But then basically what happened at the end of the match, Sammy Guevara was in control. He grabbed his phone, started live streaming. And then not only did he do that, he climbed to the top rope. And when he starts to do this, there's a Young Buck laying on the mat. So he's going to go to the top rope and hit a move. So the camera zooms in on him and this is very WWE ish of like just zooming in on him. So you don't see what's going on in the ring. But for me, it just killed it because basically what happened was he got a top rope. He's live streaming on his phone. He's holding it up while he's getting the top rope. And then he jumps off to reveal there, there are two young bucks standing in the ring waiting for him to do this so they could kill him with a double super kick. So he looked like the biggest geek of geeks he looks so stupid and like not in a just like funny heel way. Like he just looked just dumb as a person. And I mean, it just, yeah. So I was just like, really? And also there were like, like we kind of said that they've had technical difficulties before, but I actually haven't noticed any. I've actually heard that there was some people who couldn't hear the audio as well for the announcers. I know Matt, you've had trouble with it. Yep. And I've heard other people have troubles. I haven't had any, and I, I mean, I've heard that as well. I've heard people who say that they didn't notice anything. And then some people that say they have. So it's been very just like, uh, you know, incidental, I guess, so, like just sporadic. If you want to you know, say that it's just, so it's been kind of weird this week though. It was bad for everybody. Mainly the first part of the show, there were times where the crowd would just be cut out. They would just drop out of the audio completely. You would only hear the, hear the announcers or the announcers audio would go down there were weird camera vibrations. And then there were also things that the camera people were just missing altogether. And that's just the cameraman's fault, but just stuff like that was happening all throughout, you know, the first part of the show. Um, it was very distracting. So this match was good, but it was barred and, you know, you know, just technical and audio issues all over the place. Um, so that's one thing. And also again, crazy tag team match 
where rules are not followed. The referee was horrible. So that kind of just took me out of it. It was a fun match, you know, but like I couldn't take it seriously. And, you know, that kind of stuff took me out of it at points. So it kind of bothered me. Um, so what I should have really enjoyed, I, I didn't really appreciate that much. Uh, then we had Ray Phoenix versus Trent, which was obviously set up by Trent uh, beating Penta a couple weeks ago on AEW Dark and then pinning Ray Phoenix last week on Dynamite. Uh, Ray Phoenix, I said, was featured as a singles wrestler against, uh, was it Nick Jackson? Yeah. Yeah. It was Nick Jackson uh, a week ago and they had a great match and Ray Phoenix, uh, or two weeks ago, I'm sorry, Ray Phoenix won that, looked great as a singles wrestler and I was like, you know, they did that. And then this past week just lost to Trent. I didn't really get it. Yeah. Uh, here it made a little bit more sense. I think because Ray Phoenix once again, shined, they had a really good match. Oh, that spot uh, where he tr- ran the top ropes was insane. Oh yeah. I mean, just fantastic. Phoenix is just amazing. And Trent worked well with him. Uh, at one point he went for the dude buster, which was the crunchy was called last weekend. We didn't know the name of it, yep. uh, but I, I've heard dude buster before. So apparently that is the name for it. Uh, Phoenix blocked the dude buster. He missed the six one nine, but he hit one of Trent's legs um, or he hit one into Trent's legs uh, on his second attempt for the six one nine. Phoenix grabbed his right arm and I, you know, was working it over. We go to the first commercial break and then we, we come back and I mean, they're just going back and forth. Just a great match. Trent hit a tornado DDT at one point for near fall, tried a monkey flip, but Phoenix blocked it, hit him with a power bomb for a near fall. Uh, they traded chops on the apron. Phoenix then tried a springboard attack from the top rope. Trent got his knees and hit a stuffed pile driver for a two count. Phoenix got a pop-up cutter, a rolling kick, and then connected with a muscle buster into like a driver. It was awesome. Uh, JR didn't even know what it was. <laughs> he was like, was that a muscle buster? And uh, Excalibur, he was kind of like, yeah, but he put it into a pin. So it was. they still didn't really know what to call it, but it was still awesome. And he picked up the win with it. So Phoenix shined again as a single star. So at the end of this match, I was thinking maybe they're trying to get Lucha brothers away from being a tag team and letting Phoenix shine as a single star. And you know what? If they did that, I would not have a problem with it because he's awesome. And I think he could be a real single star and Penta can be too. So it's not like, it's not like a tag team where they need each other to be successful. They could both be successful on their own. They have been before. So if they go that route, I think it works out well. Okay. If they just go back to being a tag team, you know, I, I mean, I love the Lucha Brothers too, but you know, I like I said, I had an issue with the booking last week of them just randomly losing to, uh, you know, Trent and um, what's his face, uh, blanking, the best friends. Yeah, uh, Chuck Taylor. So them losing the best friends, you know, who are unranked after Phoenix had such a good showing, you know, I wasn't so happy with it, but I like this. So it was a really good match. Phoenix was amazing, so no no complaints about this match. Um, so after this, Cody Rhodes came out for his promo. It was good, some good stuff here. Uh, it was a little kind of all over the place because Cody is obviously feuding with MJF, who he wanted to talk about, but he also had to talk about the Butcher, the Blade, and the Bunny, yep. which I don't think was very successful last week. We kind of talked about it you know, being a a little awkward and a lot of the fans as well. Like we heard a lot of feedback afterwards. Um, 
it was just kind of confusing. Nobody knew who these people were. Uh, only Excalibur, apparently. But Cody had to address it here. Basically said, guys, if you wanted a match, I would have given it to you. You didn't have to do that. But then he moved on to say, you know, his wife is cutting people's hair in the women's division. That was kind of weird that he just called out Brandy. Because, <laughs> like, I was like, dude, I thought you were just kind of going to go separate ways and we were going to pretend like you weren't together. But yeah. So, but he pointed it out. And then he went on to say, you know, what's really on his mind, who's MJF. He said he saw something in MJF that no one else did. He uh, then made a remark about him botching the crossroads and saying now it could be botched on two channels, which was a shot at WWE. Damien um, specifically. Yes. So he, uh, but he, <laughs> MJF did botch it, but he also made it look way more deadly because yeah. he nearly killed Hangman with it. Killed Hangman. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he said he knew MJF was a bad guy, but he was his bad guy. And I kind of, I was like, <sighs> I didn't really believe that because <laughs> I was like, you should have like at least taken the angle of like he came off like a jerk at some points, but I knew the real MJF or something like that. Like him just saying he was a bad guy, but he was his bad guy. It was like, well, then you kind of get it, Cody, because he's a bad guy. So uh, he says he knows MJF will never fight him. Uh, but he's, he basically said, you know, if it's money you want, you know, I'll offer you my truck. He threw his keys on the mat. I'll offer you this nice watch, this dime piece that, Tony Khan uh, gave to me. Tony Khan gave to him. It, it was special to him, but you know what? You could have it. You could have my Louis Vuitton shoes. He throws off his shoes. And you know what? Even more, if you just want money, he goes outside or he gets Justin Roberts to bring him a briefcase from the outside. It's $50,000 worth of cash in a briefcase. He actually takes $100, gives it to Justin Roberts, who then takes it to a kid in the front row and gives this kid his allowance for the next couple of months. Uh, and this kid was just like, thank you. <laughs> and I'm bet sure his dad was like, I could really use that hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, especially to buying these ringside tickets. Uh, so then he offers it to MJF, the $50,000 told him, name your price. And I will, you know, take you take you on. So we'll see if MJF answers him <laughs> after this, uh, Alex Marvez is backstage with one Joey Janela. He wanted to know why Joey wanted to face Moxley again because they did have a match already to which Moxley won, but it was actually an unsanctioned match that was on AEW Dark. So uh, Joey said this time if Moxley wants to beat him, he'll have to kill him. Uh, Moxley walked in, looked at him, and just said, kids. (laughs) (laughs) He walked off. Let's talk about this Joey Janela promo for a second. Okay. To me, this is the worst promo I've heard in a long time. Yeah, it was not great. Yeah, I'm interested to know what... Okay, I want to see what you thought. And I I marked it at... Or popped, I guess, at Moxley with his kids line. I thought it was really funny. But this Joey Janela, like... I like Joey in the ring. And he was... I was really coming around to him. But I think this promo set him two steps back. I thought it was miserably bad. Yeah, it wasn't great. I mean, he... Was he wasn't convincing over. at all. Yeah. Yeah. He, he didn't really have anything to say, really. Only the only thing he said was, if Moxley wants to beat me, he'll have to kill me. But, I mean, he was all over the place. Um, definitely not, you know, the best promo. Uh, so, yeah, wasn't great. But Moxley, like I said, came in and kind of made that remark, and the crowd laughed. Hmm. So, I mean, it didn't bother me that much. But, yeah, it, was, it wasn't good. 
Okay. So after this, we have another Dark Order hype video. And this was pretty good. They had uh, like tiki torches and all the minions outside in a circle having like a ritual. Uh, they are, you know, giving people their masks and, you know, inviting them into the Dark Order. Evil Uno is. He, we, ha- we see the, the fat guy who's been featured in all these vignettes who's on the ground, nearly in tears. And Evil Uno asks him, why do you want to join the Dark Order? And this dweeb Massively. cries a little bit. <laughs> he cries a little bit and says, I just want some friends. And apparently this is not how you get in the Dark Order. <laughs> <laughs> well, the because, guy him, like they showed a new guy and he's like, I want to get in for revenge. And Evil Uno's like, yes. Yeah, so this this was you know a a, a good qualification to get in the dark order. <laughs> Just wanting friends is apparently not. So all the dudes got to do is start playing Dungeons and Dragons. He'll meet plenty of people. Yeah, maybe Brandon Cutler can uh, help him out with some friends. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> Grayson, you know, Evil Luna moves out of the way, not pleased with this fat man, and Grayson proceeds to boot him in the face, and then all the minions start. Uh, for lack of a better word, fondling him all over his yeah, body. It was weird. It was really weird. They weren't like, it looked like they were supposed to be clawing at him, but they clearly weren't. They were just rubbing all over his face. So, um, but all in all, I still enjoyed it. It was another good, you know, reason to hate the dark order and to know what they're about. So I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. Okay. Uh, yeah. So after we had uh, Nyla Rose, going up against uh, Leva Bates, who was joined by um, Peter Avalon, the librarian, the other librarian. Uh, during Nyla Rose's entrance, they showed a video of, you know, Nyla Rose attacking Shanna at the pre-show meet and greet the other day. Uh, it was kind of awkward. Uh, Shanna just standing there, she's like, hey, Nyla. <laughs> and then Nyla just pounds her face in the table, yep. drags her across it. Throws her into the garage door, which an old man had to move out of the way for. And then he just stood there and smiled as this woman's getting beat down in front of him. And then she picks Shanna up, power bombs her through a table. And all the fans are like cheering and like, yeah. <laughs> so Nyla comes out. It's basically another squash match. Um, but I actually liked it. I thought uh, Nyla, she, she's looked not beast, beast-ish in the ring when she's been in there. She's like kind of been a powerhouse at some points, but I, I, she needed to kick it up a gear. I thought like, especially against like Riho and stuff, she kind of went slower yeah. and just wasn't as convincing here. She was more convincing to me. She, you know, threw um, she threw Leva around, uh, destroyed her, jumped off the top rope and hit her with a boot, uh, power bombed her. Peter Avalon got in the ring and shushed her. She grabbed his finger, threatened to break it. Uh, she went and chokes to choke slam. Um, Leva, Peter got on the top rope and tried to jump Naya or Nyla. She grabbed her or she grabbed him, hit both with a double choke slam. Uh, basically just squashed Leva, hit her, you know, beat her with a beast bomb. And she proceeded to beat her up after the match some more. Uh, then Shannon ran down, tried to make the save, you know, had a valiant effort, but Nyla was able to, you know, power slam her for her troubles. I thought it was good for, you know, it was a short segment. It got Nyla over more as a beast. Um, during the commercial break, Nyla set uh, up a table in the ring. She bombed Rick Knox and Shayna through the table. Uh, Britt Baker was on ringside. 
distraught. Um, she had her hands over her face like she was during the NXT thing. And uh, Excalibur pointed out, hey, that's Adam Cole's girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that happened. So obviously it was a you know, poking fun tea with her, you know, it was yeah, it, weird. It, so it was definitely a, a knock on NXT. So it was fine. Um, I thought it was good to get Nyla over. So um, it was good for what it was. Then we had the lexicon of Le Champion. It was so good. Jericho came out. The fans were going crazy for him. Um, he probably he has probably overtaken Cody as the biggest baby face on the show now. Yep. Because <laughs> especially when th- these fans were cheering him. Until he opens his mouth, he does a very good job of getting people to boo him. Yeah. So, uh, but then he he did run down. Champ- they were in Champaign, Illinois. So he he uh, you know they were kind of on his side, but then he's like, well, nobody in Champaign, Illinois ever amounted to anything, and so he kind of got some heat. Uh, he did. He said. AEW is forcing him to wrestle one more time this year on December 18th, but he got to pick his opponent. He then pulled out a list, which the fans pop for. Yep. And so he, he face like really guys. Yeah. And basically told them get out of 2016. Yep, Nobody cares anymore. Ago. Yeah. He introduced it as the lexicon of Le Champion. Yep. A list of people who he would not agree to face who he listed Moxley on several times. So clearly Chris Jericho does not want to wrestle Moxley. Correct. He also listed uh, Dark Uno, um, Angry Dose. <laughs> I forget who the third guy was. Hateful Trace. Uh, yes. Uh, listed many people. Including uh, Alan Jones, who is AJ Styles. Yes. Um, he listed Cody because he can't wrestle anymore. Ha listed uh, Adam Page, I think. Just listed a bunch, basically everybody on the AEW roster who could challenge him. But as he was listing people, Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, and Marco Stunt all come out on the ramp. Yep. You know, the fans are cheering for them. And I love Luchasaurus, I love Jungle Boy, and I like Marco Stunt too. I think he's okay. Uh, They were coming out here, and the only problem I have with this is, I'm sitting here thinking, because... I just watched AEW Dark the other day where Jungle Boy and Marcus Tett lost a match and Luchasaurus came out and made the save. And I've loved Luchasaurus. I think he could be a star, you know, just because he's he's unique. He can be a really good big man. Like, I just thought he had a lot going for him. And I wish he hadn't gotten hurt because him and Jungle Boy together could be a really good tag team. Uh, but what I didn't like about this was the fact that if you look at who they are, Sure, they have Luchasaurus now, and he's definitely a difference. But Jungle Boy, when he him and Marcus Stone came out on uh, AW Dark, they showed his name and showed that he is like 0 and 8 overall in AW. He has won zero tag matches and zero singles matches, Correct. as has Marcus Stunt. And so, in storyline, and due to these records that they've been keeping, these guys, at least Jungle Boy and Marcus Stunt, are total geeks. That's correct. So it would be like if Roman Reigns or Seth Rollins were in the ring or, you know, Brock Lesnar or whoever were cutting promo and, I don't know, Heath Slater came out in Rhino and you're supposed to believe that, oh man, they're going to come out and do something. Yep. So I like Jungle Boy, but I'm just sitting here like, 
Well, I know he's going to lose, and he hasn't won yet. So it's this is not Scorpio Sky coming to challenge Jericho, is what I'm trying to say. So Luchasaurus got in the ring. He grabbed the mic. He said, Ugh. and then proceeded to really talk, which kind of took it down a notch. <laughs> I've actually never heard Luchasaurus talk. Yeah, it was really and, great. Uh, he doesn't have the best talking voice. It doesn't really match his body. Very similar to Brock Lesnar. But he was okay. He said uh, that uh, children and dinosaur. Jericho said children and dinosaurs were next on his list. So he, Luchasaurus could not challenge uh, for his title. And then he referenced Marco Stunt. Um, Luchasaurus said that he's small for his age, but you know he's more of a man than Jericho is. But then Jericho probably said, well, he's small for anybody's age. Which was great. And, uh, which was great. To which Jungle Boy stepped forward. He grabbed the mic from Jericho and uh, basically said, you know, he knows he can last 10 minutes with Jericho. He's going to kick his ass. And then he slapped Jericho, which was also not a convincing slap. Jericho, Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, Jake Hager, and Marco Stunt all had to pull apart bra. It was fine. But like I said, it just, it didn't have, to me anyway, the fans were chaining Jungle Boy, and I think he can be something. But if this were after, like the, we're thinking that they might do a rankings reset every year or something. If this had been after this, it would be something different. But to me, like I said, in storyline, they're just like winless losers. So correct. I don't know. Just didn't do anything for me. So it was whatever. Okay. Uh, but they have scheduled in two weeks Jungle Boy versus Chris Jericho. Uh, is it a championship match? I think it is. Yes. Yes. I want to say yes. Yeah. So they are having a title match. Uh, Jericho versus Jungle Boy on December 18th. Um, next, we have Chris Statlander versus Hikaru Shida, who were tag team partners a week ago, uh, who Shida had just most recently beat Britt Baker to become the number one contender, who looks great. And Chris Statlander, who looks great in their tag match, but, you know, Took the loss. My dog's randomly barking stuff. It's okay. So last week, Statlander looked good, but took the loss to Sakura and B. Priestley. So I'm like, you know, this is fine. It's kind of weird that they're just like wrestling now, but you know, they could still be friends, I guess. But this would be a good chance for Sheeta to pick up a victory. Uh, (laughs) Statlander comes out. Apparently she's an alien. Yeah, I didn't know uh, that. Yeah, and uh, so I'm not down with this. No, it's really I weird. Was, I was just scratching my head like, huh. She has a bunch of like cartoonish alien UFOs and creatures like straight out of Men in Black on her, actually like straight out of the 80s alien stuff, like not even Men in Black stuff. Right. On her Titantron, she's got alien spaceships and stuff on her pants and stuff drawn on her face. And they didn't say this last week, but she was, I said she was kind of weird and you, you know, did tell me she was acting supposed to kind of be weird, but I think this has gone a little too far. <laughs> yeah. So they been trying to say she's an alien, but whatever. Uh, they had a pretty good match. Um, they, you know, it's back and forth. Uh, again, Statlander looked pretty good, but then basically what happened was, Statlander beat her, beat Sheeta. Yep. Um, she hit her with a Falcon arrow for a two count later in the match. Uh, hit her with a package tombstone 
and pin Sheeta for the upset. It was a good match, but I'm sitting here. I'm like, so Sheeta gets a big win. You put it over. She beat Britt Baker, who was the number one contender. She's the new number one contender. Yep. So two weeks in a row, she loses a tag team, though Statlander lost it for her. Yep. And then Statlander, the loser of that match, comes out here and straight up beats her in a one-on-one match. Yeah, I don't get this at all. It's fair. Uh, Like I said, good match for what it was, but uh, the wrong person definitely won this match. Uh, And I like Statlander, but... Yeah, the alien should not have beaten Sheeta here. Yeah. Uh, and then after the bell, to make it even weirder, Brandy Rhodes and Awesome Kong, awesome Kong come out. Brandy introduced herself, and Kong is the Nightmare Collective, an extension of the Nightmare family. Okay. She told she asked Statlander to join her collective, and they'll take care of her and protect her. Statlander hesitated, but then a girl in the crowd is demanding. She's like, "Ooh, ooh, pick me, pick me. I want to I love you guys. I want to join." So, they get her up on the ramp. She gives her hair up to Awesome Kong who cuts her hair and starts shaving her hair during the commercial break. And of all the ways for somebody to shave their hair on a wrestling show, this is probably the lamest way to do it. <laughs> so, I don't know if this girl's a wrestler. I don't know. I guess yeah, she's actually going to join them. She signed. I can't remember her name. I looked her up. So I guess she's going to join the Nightmare Collective. That's correct. Uh, but just strange. It like the crowd was just kind of sitting on their hands while this was going on. Like nobody really knew how to react. It was, you know, it it was weird. So that's all I can say about it. Uh, after that, we had a Pentagon Junior versus Christopher Daniels match. Uh, Christopher Daniels came out. In a, uh, I, I thought he was uh, infringing on Sheeta's or not Sheeta Sakura's uh, gimmick because he came out in a, a Freddie Mercury style jacket with a Freddie Mercury style microphone with no mic stand on the bottom, and he was uh, singing the SU theme song. And this was not our truth coming out against the crowd into his theme music. It was kind of awkward. Yeah, but he it was fine. The crowd was singing S- SU with him, so that was great. <laughs> but the rest of it was kind of weird. Uh, they had a good match. It was, um, they had a lengthy commercial break through the the middle of it, but it was fine. Uh, basically the finish saw Phoenix run down, uh, with Daniel's mic stand, both Daniel's and Pentagon teased using as a weapon, but neither of them ultimately did. Phoenix took the referee, Pentagon hit a low blow and used a package pile driver to pin Daniel's. I thought it was, you know, good for what it was. Um, not the greatest match. I love these two guys. Christopher Daniels, one of yeah. my favorites of all time. Pentagon, one of my current favorites. And I was disappointed in it just because I was so excited for it. Yeah, they could definitely do better. Um, but and there's also there was a terrible spot where I forgot to mention Daniels had Pentagon on the ramp, and it was the 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 ramp that's leveled to the ring, similar to what they had on Full Gear. And Daniels tried to do his sit down. Uh, on the top rope backflip, he totally botched it. Sure fell right on his head. Uh, yeah, not a good, not a good, uh, not a good move to do. Um, falling right on your head, but yeah, I mean, it was fine. It, they definitely could be. They could have done way better, but um, yeah. So yeah, I was hoping that Phoenix would be a single star, but he's still kind of working with Pentagon. So we'll see what they do. 
I, I would almost rather at this point him go off and to be a singles wrestler because I think he could be great. But uh, we'll see. And then basically after this, we had a Butcher Blade and Buddy video package. They said they're sick of seeing Cody's face everywhere, so they're here to cut his head off, uh, calling him a snake, basically. Um, it was whatever. Another weird segment. There's a lot of dark factions on the show. Like, yeah. Other so, people have pointed that out. I mean, you've got the Dark Order, you've got these guys, and you've got... Uh, like some weird Brandy and Kong, Kong Brandy Rhodes. It's just the whole thing's strange. Yeah. I don't so, mind a dark faction, but I don't necessarily want three of them. Yeah. And three on the show. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they were kept to a minimum really, but still kind of strange at points. And, and a lot of times the fans didn't really know. They were kind of like, okay, at least the dark order one has some, you know, story behind it now, but the other two are still kind of developing. So we'll see. But then we had the main events. John Moxley versus Joey Janela. They actually began this match with some wrestling holds. Believe it or not, they didn't immediately go to kill each other. Yeah. Uh, Janela hit a sledge off the top of the ramp. Moxley hit a surfboard at SCF. Uh, they brawled to the floor during the show's uh, last commercial break. We come back. Moxley hit an X-Plex for a two count. Teased Paradigm Shift off the ramp, which thankfully Joey blocked because he would have killed him. Uh, then he hit a tornado DDT on the ramp. Joey hit a top uh, top suicida onto Moxley. Teased another paradigm shift off the second rope, but Moxley countered into a cru- crucifix bomb. They traded strikes and lariats. Uh, Moxley rolled to the outside, hit a senton, or Janelle hit a senton off the post of the floor. Moxley was like leaning up against the table, and this is another one where another one where the cameras clearly missed this because they've got the camera on Moxley. He's clearly waiting for something, but he's kind of catching his breath. Yeah. And then Janela just comes flying off screen out of nowhere and they just crashed to the table. It was an awesome spot, but the camera totally blew it because you couldn't really anticipate or see it coming. You kind of knew it was coming, but it would have done better if you saw like Janela getting to the top rope and then, you know, doing it. Yeah. Um, so it was a good spot, but camera missed it. Janela tossed Moxie inside, hit a top rope elbow for a two count. Uh, so he couldn't put him away with that. Moxley responded with a top rope paradigm shift, then hit a second one for good measure, picked up the pin. This was a good brawling match, good main event. Uh, Moxley's awesome. Um, and much like last week, after he picks up a big win, his music's playing, but then Chris Jericho's music hits, and the crowd's looking around. We pan up, and Jericho and the inner circle enter through the crowd, just like Moxley did last week. And clearly they're on a collision course. So that was the show. Yeah. What did, what did you think about it? I don't know. I liked it, man. Like I'm surprised that you didn't enjoy it. There was a lot of little issues that we'll get into in the show on Tuesday, but for the most part, like I love the very first match. I am glad, even though I didn't love the whole, like I liked the Nyla Rose angle. I didn't love it, but I did like it. And I thought it did a good job of, of, you know, reintroducing her cause she hasn't been around in a while and I thought it was really cool that there were two women's matches all together on the show, which yeah. isn't that the first time that's happened? This is week 10, I think. So doing a better job at building that division because, my gosh, if there's one big glaring weakness, and we've pointed it before, it's the women's division in AEW. So, Well, I don't think it did any favors that they just beat Sheeta here. Yeah, but like, I think they're trying to really – I think they're going to really try to cement Statlander, who I've been impressed with, even though her, her gimmick is really weird. But hey, I, I think she's good. 
Um, Sheeta's my favorite, so I didn't want to see her lose, but I didn't hate it as much as you did. I don't know. What would you grade it? Um, You know, I've been pretty, you know, for AEW and like, you know, it's been great, but I, I, this is probably my least favorite show that okay. I've seen from them so far. And like I said, they, it, and it wasn't really because of the technical issues per se, but like just a lot of it had me scratch my head. I mean, obviously there were a lot of entertaining stuff. The first match bothered me in some points, but it was fun. Yeah. Uh, Chris Jericho was entertaining as always. Cody's promo was pretty good. It obviously wasn't his promo leading to Jericho, but I don't know. Like it had good matches. It had some not good matches. Like it was just kind of here and there. So I got to give it a C. Wow. Like it was just kind of average for me. Like it just didn't, I was just a little disappointed in it. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. So out of all three shows we watched this week, Right. If you're going to give a brass ring and a future endeavor, who would you give those to? So, I actually had to think about this because I didn't know who I was actually going to give it to. If I was going to give it to, like, you know, the future endeavor, if I was going to give it to these stupid cops that were on Raw, <laughs> you know, if, if I was going to, you know, give it to somebody else. But you know what? It's been a while since we've actually done this because we were on a little sporadic schedule. And I didn't want to just give a future endeavor and a brass ring to one show that I was reviewing, which was kind of what we were doing. Okay. So it's been a while since we've had this segment. So I'm going to give myself a little window here. Okay. And really it's for the future endeavor that I'm giving this window for. Cause I have to do this. Okay. We, we haven't talked about it much on here, but I'm going to do it now. I got to give it to Corey Graves mm. because this man just, infuriated me and I think we all know by now what the story is yeah. and obviously Mara Ronaldo is due to come back this week on NXT we will see if that actually happens or was he back this week he was and just to give a quick 10 second recap of what was going on Corey Graves buried Mara Ronaldo on Twitter um, and Mara Ronaldo has well-documented mental issues so uh, because uh, he has of this, a documentary detailing his mental issues correct and because of this, um, I know I said 15 seconds, but now I'm, we're going over. But because of this, he hasn't been, he wasn't on Survivor Series. He wasn't on NXT the next the next week. Um, he was back this week, thank the Lord. And uh, Corey Grace basically made a half-done apology on his podcast and said, yeah, I, uh, you know, I was doing it because of Survivor Series. Yeah, right. Just give me a freaking break. What an idiot. Yeah. And that's, and that's why, like... It's like a lot of people hated on him and I mean, rightfully so, but I thought, you know what? It was terrible that, and he, he did say he was trying to put, he knew that they were going to be announcing on survivor series, which obviously he ended up not doing it because he went into severe depression. Obviously that didn't happen, but he said that he was trying to get an angle and you know what? If that's the case, that's fine. But you know what you do when that happens? Well, if I give him the benefit of the doubt, what you do after that is you go and say, Hey, like the next day you go and say, Hey, I called Morrow. I apologize to the guy. Uh, it was for an angle. You know, I take mental illness very seriously. Not only that, he posted in October a mental health awareness post on his Twitter page and talked about the importance of taking it seriously. Yep. And here he is clearly not taking it seriously because not, not only did he not apologize for what he did, 
He waited until like a week later for a stupid podcast so he could get ratings and then he addressed it. So screw Corey Graves. Like the whole Carmelo thing didn't bother me as much. I know it bothered a lot of people, but you know, him and his wife are having hard times and he's got a new girlfriend, whatever. I'm not going to hate on the guy for that. But when you just do this to a man who you know, like it's well-documented, like there's no mistaking that or if you did mistake it, you're just an idiot. So Corey Luck or Corey Graves, best of luck in your future endeavors because you deserve it this week. I was so angry at him and still angry at him. You know, like he's he slipped as a good commentator because, you know, he's, you know, he's he's doing what McMahon's telling him, which is, you know, keeping his job safe. But man, like I just do not care for him as a person anymore after that. So not a fan of his. Uh, and then on a more positive note, I will say the brass ring is uh it should be no surprise that this guy's getting a brass ring, but really after all these shows this week, he stood out as a bright spot and was really one of the things I enjoyed most of all these shows. And I'm giving it to Daniel Bryan because I said on SmackDown, it wasn't the best, you know, show, but they had a congruent storyline that played throughout the entire show, which I like. It wasn't completely dumb. And then, you know, it was entertaining through parts, which has yeah. been a lot better than what they've done. And then he gets in the ring and cuts awesome promo. Uh, and I think he's going to get a new looks out, out of this. And I think he could probably use one. Uh, so I'm giving him the brass ring. He's just awesome. And he's actually made me care more about the storyline, which I was really done with it because the fiend has been getting on my nerves. The red light is still stupid. Hopefully they get rid of it before they actually have a match at TLC. But you're probably right. But Daniel Bryan, I just enjoyed everything he did. Him, even him staring angrily at the Miz this week, I was just like, the guy, this guy's great. Yeah. <laughs> he 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 held it together when Bray Wyatt was doing a stupid rap video, which I was stunned by. Like everything about him was great this week. So Daniel Bryan's getting my brass ring. I thought he was fantastic. He's still the best. So Daniel Bryan's getting it. All right. That's good. That's good. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 69. Pause. You got to say nice. <laughs> do, do I have to? You have to, yes. Uh, nice. Of Wrestle Life Radio, my name is Matt Sin. I'm here with my cousin Kyle Pauly. And uh, we hope you like the new format. This is what we're going to do moving forward. Make sure to listen on Tuesday where we tell you what's wrong with AEW. Because until this week, apparently, we have really, really, really loved it. And uh, you can find us everywhere, including Anchor FM now. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at WrestleLifeMatt. You can follow Kyle on Instagram at Kyle.Polly. And you can follow us all at WrestleLifeRadio on Facebook and Instagram and WrestleLifePod on Twitter. Thank you very much. We appreciate you guys. We hope to see you very soon. Have a wonderful day. Awesome. Thank you, guys.